Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I would love to get you more of what you want. And my guest, Stephanie Heath, is here to help you get more of what you want, whether it's um, asking for more money in negotiations or salary or just all the little things we have to negotiate in life. It is crucial to be able to negotiate and advocate for yourself, even if it feels uncomfortable right now. Stephanie, how are you? I'm so good. I have my tea. I'm very happy at the moment. So. So my husband loves tea and he's a fabulous negotiator. And then my daughter loves tea. I wonder if that's, I, I'm always obsessed with like biology and connections and how certain personality types lean to certain types of things. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep a tab on that. Do you, are you, your other people who like negotiate, negotiating, are they more comfortable with tea? Um, I think nowadays everyone's kind of going towards the more healthier route. So we're all kind of like letting go of coffee, you know, green tea, black tea. That's yeah. yeah. Well, I told Stephanie as we were recording this, it may look like I'm drinking coffee, but it's actually ground mushrooms and all these like brain boosting things. So I, I love that. So let we, we didn't mean to, but going into talking about like our personal health, let's talk about the aspect of a healthy negotiation and how that's a part of a healthy life of getting what you want. Um, I think you and I both know that women are just soft-spoken people, maybe folks that are dealing with imposter syndrome or, you know, are building up their self-esteem, you know, throughout life, we're kind of saying no to our desires just in little ways. And so um, negotiation is, is the same. Typically, when folks start to negotiate, they will listen to what the company's saying or their current company or a company they're um, entertaining, and they'll put their desires over their own. And um, we tend to think of it as us being a team player or just, um, you know, taking one for the team or just whatever. We don't want to make people mad. Um, but, you know, that, that's not how you should operate when it comes to your compensation and just in general, your life. And there are folks that don't have that maybe, like I said, the low self-esteem or the imposter syndrome or some of the other things. And so they go through life potentially having a better, um, just, I, I don't know, environment, bank account, et cetera. Uh, so I really love the work that I do because I get to be that advocate, that person on the side to help them. And even with me, I have folks that kind of help me as well. So um, yeah, really obsessed with that. Every coach, every good coach has a coach. So I'm not surprised that uh, you do that as well. Uh, okay, so let's talk about, because I will be honest about my past. Okay, so I had a dad who was a pastor, a mom who was a nurse. I started out in education, right? So definitely none of these were talking about negotiating. You were like doing it for the good of the world. You know, it wasn't about the money. And I, when I was started doing business coaching and stuff, this man, he said, the best way to help poor people is not to be one. And I went, that is exactly right. And my whole life, I've kind of made it like, glorified, not worrying about money or not talking about money. And, and some of those things, that's how I was taught pastor's daughter, nurse, you know, it wasn't about the money, you know, and then I started thinking, wow, 
I, well, yesterday I, I ran into somebody, I don't know, she was a young mom. She was a, not maybe a teen mom, but maybe she was 20. Well, I bought a $6 ice cream, but I left a big old tip for her. And when you have money and you can do those things, there's so much good you can do if you're not afraid of it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, viscerally in my body, like I feel myself kind of tearing up a little bit. It's just, it's so frustrating because it's like this lie that we're fed. Um, I was raised really Christian. So I went to church maybe three days out of the week. Um, and I just don't understand. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that we can't help others and be the servant that we want to be or the change maker that we want to be if we don't have money, if we're not comfortable, we're not worrying about certain things. We can't you can only give from abundance. And so um, it really bothers me that even just when I talk about money on social media, I will want to say something like, I love money and, you know, money supports me. Or I want to talk about, you know, the month that we, you know, created a hair at Soul Work and I kind of feel myself pushing back and it doesn't look good. And like, good, good girls don't talk that way. And, you know, ill, that's disgusting. You're so, you know, low you're a low quality person if you admit to loving money. But like, I swear, how, how in, the world, are we supposed to, for example, donate to the Ukraine or donate to Palestine or, you know, help Detroit out with their dirty water that's been happening for almost a decade if we are poor? I just really don't understand it. And I get that as a society, you know, women, it just, it just, I don't know, like, I feel like crying right now. Like it, it not because I'm like, you know, it just, it bothers me to my core because I don't understand how are we supposed to do good. And I also really hate the fact that we villainize people that are doing so much in the world, right? We could we could both drop names of folks that are in the media that are billionaires and people are always wagging their finger at them and saying, you're not doing enough and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we could talk about this for a long time. I have opinions on this, but, you know, what we do here at Soul Work we have a team. It is just me right now. I'm the main coach. And I really try to focus on managing my energy and my aura so that I can continue to show up and be that grounding force for my clients, because I really want all of us to make so much money. And that is honestly all I care about. I care about that these people are working with folks that they enjoy and they can be their full selves with them. So finding their people at these companies, but on top of that is just being completely 100% fully supported by money. And um, so that's just, I know I'm going on a tangent, but that's something that I'm really aware of in my business right now. It's just, Stephanie, how are you managing your energy so that you can continue to do this? Because it's just not fair and it's not right. And we need to love money so that we can make more, so that we can be these people that are helping hundreds and thousands of millions of people versus like just walking down the street and giving someone a dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, even I remember last year, I had an employee who she was working part time for me and working part time for another job. And her other job fell through. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, how much were you making at the other job? You can just work more for me. And I remember like how proud I was of myself. And it wasn't about me having a new car or whatever else. It was money supporting me so I could support others. And that feels really good, whether it be supporting your kids, you know, for many of our listeners supporting themselves after a toxic relationship or being single, or it's easier money's choices, right? Yeah. And I love that you're um, sharing that personal story about yourself. You, the more you share about yourself, the more like, oh, tell me more. Like, I, I like kind of learning about your background. <laughs> I heard any of these stories from her. <laughs> She's never talking about money. <laughs> 
No, but I, I think it comes from childhood, just like society and childhood. And there are folks that are walking on this earth that, you know, don't feel the same way and potentially they have a better quality of life. Um, so yeah, I, I thought of something else, but the the thought has, has sailed on and yeah. So let's talk about if you are that good girl, which sounds like we both grew up and I have a lot of good girl listeners. How do you start to get comfortable with money? Because I know it was something I had to work very hard at. One of the, the biggest, I just had such this block of like, I'm a good person if I'm poor. And if I'm not poor, then I'm evil or bad or my priorities are wrong or something like something I've personally had to do a lot of work in. So um, how do you help women overcome that? Uh, so we talk about it, right? Um, so we have, uh, so my signature program is called the Six Figure Catalyst. It's a group program for folks that are making under six figures. And then I have another program called the Career Catalyst. It's typically for women executives that are already at the six figure mark and they're trying to up level in some way. And so what I do is just, I just really push them. So my background has been a recruiter. I've hired for every investment bank you can think of, Amazon, Sony. I've been head of recruitment. I've been a sourcer. So I kind of know what go, goes behind the scenes of negotiating a salary. And um, I so I say all of that to say that um, when we talk about money, I try to push them to a number that seems outrageous and they feel uncomfortable with. But me as a recruiter, I know that it's fine because you know we, we did the research. We're looking at what can this company pay? What's the like the mid, medium, and high of that function? And we just ask for the most. So for example, if a meta or Amazon can pay 175,000 on the base or 225 on the base, um, but like a Xerox or a mid-tier company can only pay maybe 145 or 150, we're asking for the 220 or we're asking for the 225 just so that when they negotiate down, they're landing mm-hmm. someplace good, or we push out that company's top line dollar like we we force them to show their hand and so they're just they're fine with it they trust me they're all like me like us like good girl soft spoken not really pushy people so they it feels uncomfortable in their body and maybe they'll ask me a ton of questions but because they know I've I've been a recruiter they trust me and we kind of go with that language and then we typically land at the top of the budget that that company can offer so mm-hmm. it works out my husband's always talking negotiations and he's his worked for huge companies and negotiated out contracts with Microsoft and, you know, just these huge companies. And so he's just like, loves it. He loves it. Right. He's like, why would you take the first deal ever? And I'm like, because then you can move on and have lunch. Like, I don't know. What, what do you mean? You know, he just loves the process of negotiation. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I have a favor to ask you. If you have loved what you're hearing on the Toxic Person Proof podcast or love my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, I am asking you to hit subscribe and write a review. You don't even have to use your real name in a review, but it really helps people to know this is information they can trust. This is information that will change their lives, not just more details on narcissism, the details on how to move forward, details on how to take back who you are and know who you are. And I need your help in that. I need your help in spreading the message um, and letting people know this is information they can trust. So be sure and leave a review. Thank you so much. I know so many people want to help others and they say, gosh, I just want to help 
spread the message and, and help others understand what they've been going through. And one of the ways, the easiest ways, it takes like two minutes, um, is leaving a review on the podcast, sharing the podcast, um, or leaving a review on the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Thank you so much for your help as we work together to help the world become toxic person proof. So what uh, do pe- what do you know about, I loved the insight you said about things you knew about salary negotiations that most people wouldn't. What else do you know about negotiations that the average person doesn't know? The average person assumes that a negotiation starts when you receive the offer or after the final round when the company gives you a verbal offer. That is absolutely not where it starts. It starts on the first interview or the first moment they bring up compensation. So for most companies, a recruiter's job is to sell you on the company, suss out if you're a good candidate for the role, and um, you know try to get a good dollar amount for your services. So um, typically on the first call, they're asking, yeah, you know, what, um, what are your salary requirements at this time? And um, that's where you need to either go first. You can say the first number. You don't have to. Like whatever personality you have is fine. But engage in that conversation. Maybe say, oh, you know, I'm new to the market. I'm not quite sure. Or, you know, hit them with the highest number possible. And then from there, you indicate with your tone. And especially for folks that are a little bit more soft-spoken, you could pretend innocence or just being surprised. Like, oh, you know, I was actually looking for something closer to this, et cetera, et cetera. So just managing that conversation with your tone. And um, that is just setting the tone of what you're looking for. So after that call, you know, um, as long as you are not like, after you talk to the recruiter and you guys say, okay, well, you know, let's discuss this a little bit more later down the line. They at least now know what you're looking for. And they know that, okay, of all the candidates that we're considering for this position, this person is going to be at the top of the range. And that's totally fine. And I think a lot of sometimes women are just folks that don't advocate for themselves. They don't realize this. Um, and then later down the line, what happens is that the recruiter has that information and they'll let the hiring manager know or they'll let their VP of HR know, and they can kind of do what they need to do on the back end to get more budget or get close to that number for you. And so then when they have the second conversation, typically there'll be about three conversations, generally for the average person. If you're making you know, six figures or 220 or you're maybe seven years and more of experience, that can be six to eight conversations. But um, for the average person, you'll have the second conversation where they say again, you know, are you still, is this still what you're looking for? You know, I was able to go back to my manager. We can do a little bit more, but unfortunately we can't come that high. And that's when you can engage in that conversation to get them even higher until you reach their cap. Um, and then the final conversation is that that's not when you negotiate anymore. When they say, okay, this is the final offer. If you're still negotiating at that point, that's when you can kind of come across as greedy or just annoying, to be honest with you, from like an HR recruitment perspective, because you Mm -hmm. should be setting the tone and letting them know early on what you're looking for and kind of going back and forth so that that recruiter can just do their job and ask for what they need to ask for and then present that to you and you accept, or maybe you'll have other requests. Can I have a sign-on bonus to make up the difference? Um, and for me, we with my clients, we just negotiate cash and equity. We don't play games with like, okay, you know, give me an extra week of vacation. Like that's not going to help you and your family go to Disneyland or to go to like the five-star resort versus a three-star. So we really just focus on bonus, equity, and salary. And, and so, so most I, people don't know that. They think it's just like at the end. Well, so what I hear you say is you 
research, figure out what you want, and then practice uh, almost like the brand or personality of what you want. Like, as, as I heard you say, like, even if you want to feign like, oh, I thought it might be a little more than that or something. It doesn't have to be what? I can't believe I'm never working for that. Or it doesn't have to be that forceful type of behavior, right? But but I heard you researching, you know, what's the what's the going rate, right? Um, and, and then one of the things I always tell my ladies is to practice saying numbers out loud. Not the first time you go to an interview, not the first time you have that meeting with your boss. Way ahead of time, practice. I'm looking for a 20% difference or whatever it may be, um, you know, 120,000 a year, like practice saying that out loud. So you don't come across as nervous when you're saying it there. Is that something you advise? I think that's great. I think that would be healthy. Um, I will say though, that even if your voice shakes and mm-hmm. you, you know, the energy comes out that you're so uncomfortable with that number, it doesn't matter. Um, I find that people, Personally speaking, I find that people are more helpful than not. Um, yes, you know, depending on where you are in the world, if you're on an H-1B visa, you don't have a green card, maybe you're from a demographic that sometimes people have bias against, you know, or you're, you know, uh, speaking to a recruiting agency that's representing you at a client. That's when sometimes you find like those hardcore sharks that really just want to get you at the lowest that they can. But for the most part, outside of that, um, most people, they, if you seem nervous about that number, they just want to make you happy. So you can be nervous. You can like your voice can shake. That's not going to ruin anything. That's why with our clients here, you can have whatever personality type you want. If you want to be the innocent type or the more direct type, we can work with that. Um, and I would just say to piggyback on what you heard, definitely, yes, it's the research is the first point. And just don't even figure out what you want. Just figure out what the top of the range is. That is what you want. You always want to be paid the most you can. And then just um, manage a conversation. You can put a bit of an actress hat on, but just maybe just think about who you are as a person. Are you more direct or not? And if you're not, then just be that non-direct person. Let them say the first number. And um, you can always have it, you know, switch the conversation to email as well. If that would make you a little bit happier or just, you know, not mess with your nervous system as much. Is there a tip you have? Because I'm I'm in my head right now as a coach, I'm listening like what, you know, my, my ladies would say. And they'd say, oh, but how do you get past the block of here's the top of the range? Like I hear a lot of like resistance from oh, but the top of the range. That's for like really great people. And I'm just pretty good, which is probably that imposter syndrome and all that stuff you were talking about. Do you have any strategies to help people get past that? Or do you just say, just do it, girl, just do it? No, absolutely. So the two strategies we employ are number one, deciding to embody being a high value candidate. So as a recruiter, when you're interviewing different candidates for a role, some folks aren't really sure of their worth. They maybe the role seems intimidating to them, or they don't. They have maybe sixty percent of the qualifications, forty percent they don't have. So you know they're trying to prove their worth on the call. They're rushing to answer things. They're rambling. They just they aren't secure in their worth. Um, that's why we tell folks to kind of go through the job description with a fine tooth comb and be able to have an example for each. And if you don't share something that's similar, or just say, hey, you know, I don't have this experience, but you know X Y Z. 
Um, so being able to embody that high quality candidate, maybe having water next to you so that you're not rambling, maybe have a sticky note um, that says, you know, I, you know, there's nothing I can do in this moment to block the role that's meant for me. So you don't put so much pressure on each individual interview. Um, and then second to kind of being that high value candidate is, um, you see, what is my, my second strategy? Um, so being a high value candidate and then, um, okay, so employing the in one ear and out the other ear technique, which is just, you know, the company will say something like, you know, this is the top of the range for us right now. Since COVID, we've had to let go of folks and this is just our budget. Um, you know, asking a clarifying question. So saying something like, okay, you know, how did, how did the team come to that number? I'd love to just kind of understand that a bit more or any other innocent question to get them talking again. And then all you would do is sort of just repeat your ask. So they may say, oh yeah, you know, my manager and, you know, last year we have more budget, but, you know, if you sign now, you know, in three months, we're going to revisit this. We have performance bonuses. And so, you know, you should just really sign now and um, you know, later on we can revisit this. And that's when you would just take a deep breath and, um, you know, repeat your ask, say, you know, at this time I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And you can also just kind of pretend to be apologetic about it where it's like, you know, I'm sorry, I know this is above your budget, but this is what I'm looking for. And, um, what tends to work with our clients and just with folks I find is blaming it on the market or on the other interviews or companies you're interviewing with versus these are my desires etc. So you would say something like, um, you know, currently I'm interviewing with companies that are offering around this, or I'm being represented at this amount. So they know that it's not really you, it's just the other companies and they kind of have to just get competitive to get you. Advice I give with women dating. It's exactly that, you know, it's the high value, right? So, um, you know, asking for what you want again and making sure everybody knows you're not the only person I'm interviewing with. Like, cool. If you can't come up with that number, that's cool. Because I got five other people who are waiting to take me on a date or, you know, whatever it is. It's really I know a lot of my listeners, we can, whatever we feel uncomfortable with, whether it's money or dating or whatever, we put it in this whole really scary category, right? But it's the same strategies. It's just kind of life strategies, right? Of, hey, I'm high value. I know my worth. I have lots of people who would, would love this, this type of worth. And so I'm just going to, you know, keep asking for what, I need or for what I'm worth. And I, so I love that example and that it's so translatable too, to, to all kinds of areas in our life, whether we're fundraising or parenting or advocating or dating or negotiating. Yeah. And to, to reiterate, you don't have to be your 100% best self every time, you know, be the best that you can say what you need to say with that quivering voice and just blame it on your other interviews. And it typically works. I've had really shy software developers get obscenely large offer packages with like telling me with like a nervous voice that this is what they're looking for. And I just had to go back to my hiring manager to get more. But I love that, um, that sort of dating kind of juxtaposition because it's so true. And mm -hmm. again, you don't have to be perfect to do either. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But we definitely want to, within the positioning ourselves as high value, what you're talking about is doing the choosing, not just begging to be chosen. 100%. And that's, 
that's tough. Um, that's why it does help to work with someone, you know, whether it be like a mentor of yours or whomever that can continue to reiterate that. Um, with our clients, we meet every week um, for one hour for 10 weeks. So with every conversation, I'm reiterating their value. I'm telling them that most candidates, you know, don't have 100% of the qualifications. You don't have to be perfect and just kind of um, injecting them with that sort of self-esteem as they go along in the process. Mm -hmm. I love it. Stephanie, tell people where they can find more out about you and your work at Soul Work and Six Figures. Yeah. So you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look up Stephanie Heath. The company page is there as well. Soul Work and Six Figures. I do hang out on Instagram a lot. So if you want to connect with me there, you would just um, type in career coach Steph, one word, and the company is there as well. Soul Work and Six Figures. I love it. So if we got to broadcast you to the entire world for one minute and you got to answer a question somewhat relevant to what we talked about today, what would you what would you broadcast to the world? So just a statement? Yeah. No right or wrong answers. Okay. Um, it would be that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be high energy or high vibrational every day, 24-7 to get a soul aligned position, to get an amazing partner to, to, you know, do better in your business, to hit 10K, 15K, 50K months, you can show up in your humanity and just be yourself and have those highs and lows and still have the world support you. That's something I've been, that's been on my mind lately. So I love it. Thank you, Stephanie, for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.